God bless you. The people of Grace Baptist Church. Thank you so much. Well, it's such a joy to be with you here uh, today. And the Lord truly blessed the BC Youth Conference uh, this weekend. I'm thankful for the chance to preach to the young people uh, during that conference. And, uh, you know, we even heard late last night reports of a young lady that we knew wasn't saved was at the conference and was asking questions on the way home in the van ride. So we see fruit. The Holy Spirit's working. So I'd ask you to pray with us that God would continue to take what was done in the youth conference and to break through the hearts of the young people. Maybe they're battling, giving their life to God, and we want God to use what was, what was given, what was received in the conference in a great and a powerful and a mighty way. It's a joy to be here at Grace Baptist Church today, and just amazing to see what God has on the horizon for the future of this church. And just in just a few days getting to know Pastor White and just catching his vision um, as he follows the Lord in all, in all of it, and as you as the church, as the congregation follows after the man of God, I pray that God would give you much faith in all of it. On Friday, Friday morning, Saturday morning, we spoke to the young people about the 12 spies that went out to spy the, the promised land. And we know the story, the 10 spies that brought back an evil report, and the two spies that said, let's take the land, God's given it to us. My prayer for this church is that God would give you the faith of Joshua and Caleb uh, to see what God has laid out before you as a church and have the faith to claim it. Unfortunately, we know for the nation of Israel, they didn't have the faith. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And that generation died off. But Joshua and Caleb that had the faith, they were able many years later to lead a new generation of God's people into the promised land. If you think of that story of the spies, they brought back a cluster of grapes with them. That's all they had. But God wanted to give them a vineyard full of those clusters. And may you as a church never be content with just the cluster of grapes from the promised land but desire the vineyard that God has for you inside the promised land. And my prayer for your church, and I, I want to join with you this week in that fasting, uh, to pray for your church that God would lead you ahead. And may the best days of the Grace Baptist Church be the days that are, are lying ahead, that God would use this opportunity uh, to be a great light in the city of Surrey uh, here, and that God would use you in a mighty and a powerful way. Uh, yes, my claim to fame is my brother around here. And uh, many say that he, he and I look a lot alike. I say no, he's got much more gray hair coming in than I do. So uh, that's, that's the one thing I get to hold on him. He's, he's six years older than me. He was the baby of the family for many years. And then I came along and tall, stole all that from him. So, uh, but I'm grateful for uh, his friendship and the chance uh, to come out and be with him. I don't get to see him very often. We live on the opposite side of the continent from each other. Uh, but it's always encouraged to see how God is using him here in the city of Vancouver. I made my first trek to Vancouver in 2002. As a 12-year-old boy, I got on a plane for the first time and came here and saw the city. And it's amazing to see what God is doing to the churches in this area. My prayer is that God would raise up this church to be a great light in this community. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're at today. And we looked at the main portion of our text as we read that together just a few minutes ago. I'd like to speak this morning on the victorious Christian life. The victorious Christian life. You know, we all love to uh, play games, board games, whatever it may be. And we, many times we can get very, very competitive, can't we? I don't know, maybe you're not that way, but I've always been very competitive. And no matter what it is, no matter if it's a board game or if it's a sporting event, 
Um, if there's some kind of competition going on, I don't know what it is, but I just cannot stand losing. Man, that just tears me up. And uh, growing up, you know, we played many board games, and for our family, a Monopoly was the name of the game around our house. I don't know if, many, if you're familiar with the game Monopoly, uh, but when we sat down to that game as a family, it was business time. We weren't in it for pleasure, we were in it for business. And I have a lot of, I don't even know if they're good memories, but they're memories of playing that game together with my brothers and with uh, my dad. And my dad wasn't really out to just make sure we had a good time, he was out to win it as well. And uh, many of us, you know, we don't like losing, we like to win, we like to be victorious. And did you know that God desires for us as His children to live the victorious Christian life? The truth is, He's won the victory for us already. We just have to claim the victory with Him. And today we're looking at living this victorious Christian life, and we're going to look at verses actually 1 all the way up to verse 14 together. We'll make some comment on these things, but notice first of all, some, we're going to notice some things that, that are required in our life if we're going to claim the victory, if we are truly going to be victorious as Christians, number one, look at verse number one with me. Philippians chapter three, it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Number one, the first thing it requires, it requires repetition. <laughs> repetition. Here, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and he says, he says, I know I've written these same things before. He's saying, don't think I've lost my mind. I'm doing it on purpose. I'm repeating these things on purpose. He says, to, you, to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And if we're going to be victorious as Christians, we must be repeatedly receiving the Word of God. The we know the phrase that says repetition is the mother of all learning, right? Was well, we allow God's Word to every day come into our life, that repetition of God's Word in our life is going to enable us to be victorious as Christians. Let me ask you, are you continually in God's Word? Many of the stories of God's Word, maybe we've heard many, many times. Even if you've, if you've grown up in church, you've heard these stories many times. But that repetition of God's Word only helps us on our way to living the victorious Christian life. The amazing thing with God's Word, you know, we can look at the same story again and again and again, but God's Word is always fresh. God's Word is always anew. You can look into a chapter of God's Word that you've known for many years, but the Holy Spirit of God just impresses some truth into your life that you just never realized before. Because God's Word is a living book. It's alive. And as we allow God's Word, allow the repetition of the Holy Spirit to give His Word to us, it's going to enable us to be victorious as Christians. Let me ask you, are you ready to receive God's Word? Even though maybe you've heard it before, I've heard that before. Are you ready to receive it? The pastor may stand in this pulpit and may look at a passage that we've been in before as a church, but God has something for you. Are you ready to receive it? That repetition every day, daily, in the Word of God. Let me ask you, do you have to, you have to dust off your Bible on Sundays? comes off the bookshelf and got to get my Bible out for church. No, we must be in God's Word every day, reading it, 
and studying it. This is the bread of life. Let me ask you, did you, did you wait to eat food till Sunday? Now, I think you probably had some meals on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, didn't you? You didn't just wait till Sunday. As Christians, for some reason, we think we can starve ourselves throughout the week and then receive our, our nourishment in the, in the Lord's day. We must receive God's Word all throughout the week, the repetition. Number two, it takes a realization of your opponent. You want to be victorious as a Christian? God wants to give you the victory. Number two, it takes a realization of your opponent. Look at verse number two with me. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Let me remind you that our enemy, our opponent in this world is the devil. The devil completely opposes everything that God desires to do in this church, in this city, and around the world. The devil's against it. The devil is our enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Think of that word devour with me. The devil isn't just some cute character with the red suit on and a, and a little pitchfork next to him. No, the devil, the Bible says he's as a roaring lion. He's trying to find someone that he can devour. Satan desires to devour your life. To eat it up. To put it to waste. We must realize who our opponent is. See, if we're not careful, we, we allow Satan to slither into our life. And before we even realize it, just like Eve in the Garden of Eden was sinning before God because the devil, the serpent, had found its way into her life, the devil will find ways into our life as Christians. He'll find a foothold. He'll find some sin that you think, oh, that won't affect my life, that won't affect me too bad, and we give in to it. Satan has found a foothold. He is our opponent. We have to realize who our opponent is. You see, many people underestimate the power of Satan. We underestimate him. I'm thankful that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, but we cannot approach Satan in our own strength. We have to approach him with the strength of God on our side. If we go to, if we go to battle against Satan in our own strength, we will fail every single time. Because our opponent is strong. The devil has strength. And he's, and he's wise. He knows how to, to find our weak points and to press the button in your life that you may give in to. Do you realize who your opponent is? Any, any battle that may take, take place, if you study history, if a general's laying out a battle plan, it's smart for him to know who he's going to battle against, right? You study out the battles of, of old, they would, they would send scouts out to see, well, how many do they number? Do they have 10,000? Do they have 15,000? Do they have 20,000? That way they know who their opponent is, how strong they are, so that the general can form a battle plan and make sure he has enough troops to take on that enemy. It would be foolish for, for a general to know that he's going up against an army of 20,000 and say, okay, I think we'll take 1,000 against them. He's underestimating the power of the enemy. And you and I, many times, we underestimate the power of Satan when we think we can take him in our own strength. We must have God's strength on our side. God desires for us to be victorious. But we have to realize who 
our opponent is. We must also be aware of those that are actively against God and His Word. It's not just Satan, but those that stand for the same things that Satan stands for. Many of those that may be in, 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 in the city around us, in the government, they're doing the work of Satan. And we have to mark them. We have to know who those individuals are and beware. The Bible says in verse number 2, it says, Beware of dogs, beware of evil works, beware of the concision. We must know who our opponent is. If we're going to be victorious, it takes repetition. Number 2, it takes the realization of your opponent. Number 3, it takes a recognition of your weakness. It takes a recognition of your weakness. One of the things I enjoy doing uh, there working at Temple Baptist Church in Crown College, I get to coach the academy soccer team. And I really, I really enjoy that. Um, soccer's just always been a sport that I've loved growing up. Um, I tried basketball, but all my friends kept getting taller. I stopped growing, so I figured basketball was not for me. So I enjoy the sport of soccer. And uh, I get to coach the young men there at the academy, then, uh, those in grades 9 through 12. You know what I tell them? They need to find out where the weak part of their game is. Where are they, where are they most weak? Because they've got to strengthen that. They've got to find strength. If, if, if they're dribbling a soccer ball and they're strong only on their right foot, but they can't dribble with their left, there's a weakness there. And they, as, a, as an athlete, need to work on that left foot because in a game scenario, they're going to need both of their feet equally. And they have to know where their weaknesses are. You and I as Christians have to recognize our weakness. If we don't take recognition of our weakness, notice this, your adversary will. Let me say that again. If you don't take recognition of your weakness, your adversary will. We are full of weaknesses. We are full of weaknesses. And Satan knows where our weaknesses are. And don't think he's above not going straight to that point of weakness. He proved that in the Garden of Eden because he went to the woman, the weaker vessel. That's how Satan works. Satan may use uh, different tactics throughout different times uh, in this world, but his goal is always the same. His, his techniques many times are are the same. We must recognize our weakness. Let me remind you of 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. Notice this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me ask you, is the strength in and of yourself? Is it in and of myself? No. It's through the Holy Spirit power and enabling that God gives us. We find strength when we are weak because we're leaning upon God for the strength that we need. We cannot try to live one day of life in our own strength. We will fail. You desire to be victorious? If you live your Christian life in your own strength, you and I will fail. And we have to recognize our weakness. We have to recognize our weakness. Our strength is not in ourselves; It's in Christ. It's in the Lord. And we need to go to Him for the strength that we need. Number four, as we're on this journey towards being victorious, living the victorious Christian life, it takes right goals. It takes right goals. Look at verse number 8 with me. It says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Verse 9, And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You see, Christian, our goal in this life should be God. Our goal should be the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, so many Christians have goals that are so far from God's Word. We make goals out of careers. We make goals out of finances. We make goals out of fame. We need to have a job. We need to make, we need to make a paycheck to pay bills. But is that your goal in life? Is your goal simply to build up uh, your retirement account? Is that it? Is that your only goal in life? If that is your goal, then you will not live the victorious Christian life because the victorious Christian, their goal is the Lord Jesus Christ. Too many people are living their lives with the wrong goal in mind. We're running towards the wrong finish line. We work our whole lives climbing up the ladder of success. And let me realize we've got that ladder laid against the wrong building. What are we doing as Christians? Are our goals right? Let me ask you this. What do you consider to be success in this life? Success is a buzzword uh, nowadays, of course. Uh, are you seeking success? Have you found success? What is success? I submit to you today that the success that the world desires to give you is a completely different success than the success that God desires you to find in your life. See, the Christian approaches life completely different. The Christian life is not just a life that's lived a little bit better. It's a life that's lived completely differently. Because our success is found when we're complete in Christ, when God is the goal of our life. The verse here talks about the knowledge of Christ Jesus, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. The greatest knowledge in this world is the knowledge of God. The greatest knowledge is the knowledge of God. In many parts of this world, education has become a God. And I was speaking to our friend about Sri Lanka and how that, that, is, that, is, that, is, a, that is a big thing over there, that education is God. And we see that in this generation that, that there's a push for higher education. That's important. But have we made a goal out of that? Or is the knowledge of God the goal? The greatest knowledge is the knowledge of God. If we gain the whole world, but we miss Christ, if we miss God, if we gain the whole world but miss Christ, then Christian, we have nothing. That is not the victorious Christian life. We must have the right goal, and the goal, of course, is God. We looked at these things. It takes repetition. It takes a realization of your opponent. It takes a recognition of your weakness. It takes right goals, number five. It takes relentless sacrifice of self. It takes relentless sacrifice of self. Look at verse number 10 with me. It says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. If you've ever pursued 
um, sports at all. Of course, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into preparing uh, for a sporting event. If, when, when, when the Olympics come around and we enjoy watching the Olympics, um, we know that that athlete has put much sacrifice into the preparation for that event. They didn't just pack a bags and show up to the Olympics and say, okay, let's try this out for the first time. There's much preparation, much sacrifice that went in preparing for that. I just recently ran my first half marathon. That was kind of a big step for me this year. I thought I'd try it. That was a lot of work. It took a lot of preparation, but I'm glad I did it. It all paid off when you, when you hit the finish line, right? And uh, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. I want you to notice in verse 10. It says that I may know Him. That sounds good, right? That I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. That sounds good, but notice this, in the fellowship of His sufferings. See, as Christians, yes, we love to claim God. We claim Jesus Christ. We want to stand for Him. Can I remind you that when you stand with Christ, you stand with Him in His suffering? Are you okay with that? I hope you are. Because He suffered for you and for me. See, as a Christian, if we're going to be victorious, it's going to take some suffering, a relentless sacrifice of self. Everyone wants the victory, but not everyone wants the sacrifice necessary to gain the victory. Notice the progression that we see there in verse 10. That I may know Him. Think of salvation. The power of His resurrection. We've been given new life. The fellowship of His sufferings. But then continue it. Being made conformable unto His death. Being made conformable unto His death. You see, every day, Christian, there must be a dying to self. We can only find joy in this life when we die to self, that relentless sacrificing of self. Are you committed to Christ today? Are you committed to Christ this week? Or are you doing this thing that we call Christianity just because right now it's easy, it's comfortable? Real life is found in dying to self, and Christ is our life. And then lastly, to be the victorious Christian, it takes reaching for more. Look at verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth in those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Who's talking here? This is Paul. This is the one that God used to write most of the New Testament. A great Christian, a great man of God. But Paul realized he had not yet arrived. There was more to gain. There was more ground to cover. There was more for him to learn. And he said, he said, I want to get a hold of the reason why God has gotten a hold of me. I want to know him more. Paul had to put past victories and past failures to the, to, to the past. He had to leave it in the past and reach forth to the things that were ahead. Let me ask you, do you have some things in your past that you need to forget? Give it to God and leave it in the past? Are there some victories that you're still claiming on in your Christian life? Put it in the past. Reach towards the things that are forward. God does not desire for you to fail as a Christian. It's His desire that you successfully finish your course and your race for God that He's laid out before you. Let me encourage you today, Christian. Determine to live the victorious Christian life. God will help you. God will enable you. And we will have the victory. We can claim the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor White, you come.